Expectations were like fine pottery. The harder you held them, the more likely they were to crack. Hello, and welcome to Disc Golf Basket Case Immersive Episode on Allie Smith. A Basket Case Immersive is a deep dive into the narratives from the previous episode to try and understand what's going on between our ears in those moments. In Allie's Immersive, we'll talk about the mindset she had going into Am Worlds, feeling some imposter syndrome during her rookie season, and how a forever caddy can lead to a better round. The goal? Finding what works for you and your mental game, and adding action and awareness to your bag of trick shots next tournament. The advice you're about to hear is conversational, not clinical. I'm not a mental health professional or a sports psychologist, but I do strongly believe that if you've ever had your mental game fail you, you're not weird. In fact, you're in good company. So sit back and get ready for a gentle left brain massage in mental performance by a self-taught internet sleuth and psychology enthusiast. Let's get ready to flex our mental muscles and get confident. Come on, y'all. After hearing Allie's stories from Amworlds, I've concluded that one of the secrets to her success was the vital combination of, drumroll please, low expectations and high confidence. Of course, it goes without saying that she had all the physical skills she needed to win, but I think this mental model is what gave her the edge over the field. If we take a look at the competitor pool that year, Allie was not the clear or only favorite to win. At the 2021 Worlds in the FA1 division, there were four players rated higher than Allie and four players with ratings close to hers by just a few points. Some of those were locals that may have had an advantage being familiar with the courses, the weather, the elevation. Also, two players were rated within the margin of points that Allie played above her rating to win, meaning there were at least 10 competitors with ratings high enough to win Amworlds that year without being statistical outliers. When physical skills are comparable, mentality marks the winner. Here's how Allie framed her mindset going into the tournament in the episode. I win every single event, go to Ledgestone, eighth place. And I'm like, Ooh, and now and then I drive to Orlando. So I, I get eighth place and drive to Orlando. And I'm like, see, yeah, it was just a fluke. We go to Orlando and I kind of have that feeling. I'm like, oh, there's so many women here. And that's exactly what happened. I was able to take the pressure off of myself because of that upset at Ledgestone. Allie also mentioned her number one tip or take home she sees as core to her story was confidence. Here's what she had to say. Having confidence in your ability. So I, I've learned that I can compete. I, I am a, a world champion and then I can compete with these FPO. And so having confidence with myself and my abilities individually at each shot, I can throw a drive this far. I can putt from this distance every time confidence, mm-hmm. but also like holistically as a disc golfer, I am confident in my, my abilities. I had this magic combination of traits come to life for me in my biggest amateur win or accomplishment, which was winning LVC in 2021 in the FA1 division. I was newly sponsored by Team Infinite, really feeling my game come together and the most confident putter I'd ever been. 
and also five months pregnant. (laughs) Being pregnant allowed my expectations to be extremely low, if non-existent. I remember actually saying, what am I going to do? Win? (laughs) And laughing about it with my card. However, my confidence was high. I knew I was good and I knew I could win, you know, if I wasn't pregnant. And I I actually did end up winning first. And outside of my physical skill preparation of fieldwork and putting, I credit that win to my expectations being low and my confidence being high. There is a ton of research and reading on this in sports psychology. The article I'm referencing is linked in the show notes and titled Top Secret to Mental Game Success for Athletes by Patrick Cohn. In the article, Patrick outlines the difference between confidence and expectation with the following. He says that confidence is based on the strength of the belief in your ability or how strongly you believe in your skills. It's a belief that precedes your performance, such as when you see a good shot and feel like you will hit a good shot prior to execution. I love this so much, the fact that it precedes your performance. Have you ever thrown a shot or a putt that you knew was a good shot even before it left your fingers? It's magic, and it's the magic of confidence. Expectations, on the other hand, are judgments and demands that you place on your performance, usually about outcomes or game statistics. I've also done this before in the form of no double bogeys or ending under par or not missing any 15-footers. Expectations are unwritten demands or minimum standards that you have about your performance, and they cause you to judge the quality of your performance and the outcomes in real time. But unlike expectations, confidence does not demand you perform great. A confident athlete does not judge the quality of the performance based on prior strict expectations, results, or outcomes. We talked about this in Eagle's episode a bit as well, that don't care mentality being the perfect combination of roles and action for self one and self two to interact at a high functioning level. Not only that, putting expectations on your game can actually harm your confidence, so you're going in the wrong direction. If you fail to meet your expectations early on, you make it easy to question your ability and lose confidence in yourself and self two's capacity. I've absolutely done this where I have a goal, for example, I'm not going to go OB on hole one. And then if I do go OB on hole one, I feel like my round is already off to a bad start and my confidence in my ability to execute my intentions the entire round are shaky. If you have high expectations and low confidence, it's a recipe for failure. You want to strive for high confidence without the judgments that come with high expectations. So one more time, low expectations and high confidence. Especially for me, I've noticed my best rounds are my last rounds, particularly when I am way behind. I am notorious for coming back hard the last round. Three tournaments in 2022, I came back from six strokes behind to win or tie the lead. And I think it's because of this effect. In the first round, I have such high expectations for myself and I assume that everyone else is better than me, but after playing a nervous round and seeing that I do have the skills to win, the final round I'm able to let go of expectations because I'm already behind, so I might as well full send because I have nothing to lose. 
So I'm definitely going to experiment with this mental strategy in my next tournament. Um, if you end up trying it out or you have had this combination work successfully for you in the past, tell us about it. Emailing your story to discgolfbasketcase at gmail.com. Our next topic is also fascinating to me. I might get an email or two from some real smarty pantsers out there who know way more than me about this thing. Just, just you're an adult, you Google it, and while you're there, Google don't kill the messenger. In Allie's episode, she credits a lot of her success to the support of her caddy. On the course, that's like a whole nother level, just like to have somebody who's your person forever. I know after every shot, I can always go and give her a high five or give her a hug. And like that support, I think is unmatched. I think having like a forever caddy is what we call it. I think that will definitely pay dividends in my disc golf career. Have you ever had a round where your caddy's presence helped you perform better by making you feel relaxed, at ease, confident, and calm? I know I have. Many tournament emotions are managed and produced by our nervous system, and more specifically, a vital nerve responsible for regulating both extremes of our nervous system, and that is the vagus nerve. I looked up pronunciation for this thing, and the American pronunciation was whack. So I am saying Vegas like the British do. So come at me, bro. Vegas. The vagus nerve connects the brain to the body and the body to the brain, taking cues from the environment and sending signals to the brain to inform our responses. It basically serves to regulate both sides of the coin in survival responses, like a yin and yang of sorts. On one side of the coin is our sympathetic nervous system, which initiates and controls our fight or flight responses, releasing cortisol, giving us a rapid heart rate, tunnel vision, and the all body focus needed to run away from a tiger or make a scary 30 footer for the win. But what if in that moment we need calm, not anxiety for peak performance? This is where the other side of the coin, our parasympathetic response comes in. As the counterpart to fight or flight, this response has been called the rest and digest or tend and befriend response. If we feel an absence of safety, our bodies will slip out of connection and across a threshold into a state of defense. So what can you do about it? Like Ali's example, having a caddy you love and trust on your card can help be that grounding force that can ease you back into a state of connection, the tendon befriend response, and out of your fight or flight stress response, so you can calmly and confidently smash that 30-footer. Theoretically. There are also a ton of other tips and resources to test out to see what works for you. Things like humming, singing, breathing exercises, cold water, you know, like splashing it on your face, a neck or scalp massage, or even things like activating your gag reflex can help calm or reverse that fight or flight response. By the way, if you haven't already, check out Eagle's episode for a few breathwork examples. He talks specifically about different types of breathing methods. There is a ton of science and pseudoscience, depending on your philosophical bend. There are a few links in the show notes, or start your search with the vagus nerve, or if you really want to go wild and weird, polyvagal theory. We're going to take a quick ad break and dive into imposter syndrome right after this. Stay with us. If you're listening to Basket Case, you will likely be getting some new disc golf gear soon. Some of my favorite discs I've owned, I found at infinitediscstour.com. 
They have pictures of every disc, so you can find a disc that has good vibes and know exactly what you're getting. They carry basically every retailer, so that obscure favorite that just went swimming could be replaced after all. You can also sell them your used or new discs that don't work for your game before you throw them in the water so someone else can. If you're a TD, their payout and sponsorship options can streamline the whole process for you and allow your winners to get what they want. They do player packs and trophies too. Check out what they can do by going to infinitediscstour.com. That's infinitediscstour.com. Wildpack Sports wants to help people get outdoors and thrive through adventure, sport, and mindfulness. If you're looking for more control or stamina in stressful situations, their mindfulness sessions can help you develop habits to use on and off the course. Whether you're staring down a 30-footer for the win or surviving a trip to the grocery store with your kids, a lesson on breathwork, mindfulness, or a cold plunge can give you the tools you need to thrive. Sessions can be in-person or virtual, so get started today by going to wildpacksports.com. Wildpack Sports. Control the moment. Control the outcome. In the episode, Allie mentioned feeling a bit of imposter syndrome after winning Amworlds and moving up into the pro divisions, which is something a lot of disc golfers at some point face once they level up. Here's what she had to say. I think we, we've touched on the bit of the uh, imposter syndrome, I guess, call it. Like, so now I, I was really good as an amateur and now it's like diving into this FPO and I have been playing above my rating. So like there are I'm, I've trained my brain to like think of these positive things first. So I'm glad that I did think of that and say that first of like playing about my rating. And like, I didn't really think of like, oh, well, I'm placing poorly or I didn't cash it at most of the events. Like I'm not thinking of those things. You go from high achieving as an amateur to now, I guess I could say low achieving if I'm not cashing, if, if I'm going to use that right. measurement as achievement as, as cashing. Imposter syndrome is when you doubt yourself and your abilities, despite your education, experience, and accomplishments. In short, you think you've tricked others into believing you're someone you aren't. To counter these feelings, you might end up working harder or holding yourself to ever higher standards, and that pressure can eventually take a toll on your mental game and your performance. Experts have found it's common among both men and women in many lines of work. One study found that about 70% of all people have felt like an imposter at some point. Imposter syndrome often affects those who are highly capable perfectionists. Among those reported to have felt this kind of self-doubt are scientist Albert Einstein, athlete Serena Williams, and singer Jennifer Lopez. I really liked a particular article I found from Healthline on this because it broke imposter syndrome down into smaller archetypes that were a bit more specific. The five they outlined were the perfectionist, the natural genius, the rugged individual, the expert, or the superhero. First off, the perfectionist. The perfectionist focuses intently on how to do things and demands perfection in every aspect. Pretty self-explanatory. Second, the natural genius. The natural genius has spent their whole life picking up new skills with little effort. I think we all know people like this that pick up a disc and it's like a duck taking to water. 
This archetype believes that competent people can handle anything, so if they start to struggle, they feel like a fraud or feel ashamed and embarrassed. Next up, the rugged individualist. The rugged individualist like to be an island and thinks that asking someone for help means admitting your inadequacies and showing yourself as a failure. Not sure that type would be listening to this podcast, but you never know. They could also be called a soloist, but I like to think of them as the lone wolf. Fourth is the expert. The expert's pretty self-explanatory as well. They believe that knowledge on a subject is equal to success, so they learn everything they can about a particular subject and can get tripped up if they don't have all the answers. And lastly, the superhero. The superhero's competency is linked to finding success in every role they hold. They're the best partners, the best friends, employees, parents, etc. Not doing any one thing successfully to them proves inadequacy. If any of these things sound like you, try first to acknowledge those feelings and challenge your doubts. And it doesn't hurt to stop comparing yourself to others. Success doesn't require perfection. True perfection is practically impossible, and real life is never black and white. So failing to achieve it doesn't make you a fraud. It makes you human. Even trying to become more aware of perfectionistic or black and white language in your self-talk can be a good start. Do you say things like always and never about yourself? Such as, I've never been a good putter, or I always release late. Everyone has unique abilities. You are where you are because someone recognized your talents and your potential. And you worked hard. You may not excel in every task you attempt, but you don't have to either. Almost no one can do it all. Even when it seems like someone has everything under control, you don't know the full story. I loved Allie's ability to be very open and honest with herself about feeling some imposter syndrome, and I think it's completely natural to feel that way, especially when you're working hard to level up your game and moving from a lower division to a higher one. But her approach and response was also gorgeous, focusing on the positive aspects of her game at this moment in time and managing her expectations for her performance, while remaining holistically confident in her abilities. I can't wait to see what she does next season. As with anything mental game related, I think it's healthy to examine it, question it, and investigate its reality. If you aren't aware of something, you can't take action. But it's like Eagle said, it's how long you linger in that emotion. Use that fire not to burn you, but to cook your food. And with that, I think it's time for some listener sense. This week, we have a special treat hearing from Allie's partner, Mary, that was mentioned in the episode, to get her perspective on being Allie's forever caddy. Here's what she sent me. Being Allie's caddy feels more nerve-wracking than playing in the actual tournament. Maybe it's the lack of control or emotional attachment, but my heart goes a mile a minute all 18 holes. I try to not let her see me sweat. I have a constant checklist going in my head. Did I fill up the water bottle? Is she drinking enough water? Does she have her mini? Does she want her chalk bag? Does she have the disc she wants? I try to prepare everything, so the only thing she has to think about is her next throw. I never show her the scores until the round is over. I'll sneakily check my phone throughout the round to see how she's doing. I'm proud of her for following our dream. The courage it takes to put yourself out there is something most people don't have. 
Every time I watch Allie play, I am in awe. Not because of her physical abilities, but her mental fortitude. The way she holds herself while she plays is so impressive to me. I know she was born to do this. I'm going to keep doing everything I can to make our dream come true. Mary Cannon Thank you so much, Mary. That is so cool to hear. And Ali is so, so lucky to have you. Here is another listener send from Samuel Anderson in Nevada. Basket Case is a perfect podcast for me. I've been struggling with the mental aspect of this game for months now. As I was listening yesterday to Eagle talk about breathing, I was literally trying what he was explaining. I seriously forget to breathe because I'm so uptight. Keep it up. Hopefully I can get my game back and have fun again while playing. Thank you so much, Samuel. That is honestly so good to hear because that is my goal with the podcast. If you have a comment, emotional outburst, or story to share, send it to discgolfbasketcase at gmail.com or reach out on social media and we'll share your send on the show. Other than that, I think we did it, guys. Next Monday, we will be dropping our episode with Aaron the Goose Gossage. He will be giving us the internal play-by-play of facing down Paul Macbeth at Pro Worlds this year. Amazing! If you haven't already, rate and review and follow the show. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, full send, everybody. No guts, no glory, no brains, no chains. Goodbye. Well, yeah, like you, I, I have this like internal battle, like, 
humble like you want to be a humble person you don't want to just be like i'm the greatest person ever i won in worlds 